Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Thanks for checking out this feed of my favorite interviews and best guests over the last seven years. Whether it's your first time or you're already in a deep dive, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Again, that is BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com. Enjoy. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. David Spade is here. He's coming on Never Done This. You have a new show. Comedy I've never Central. done this with you. Yeah, you've never yeah. done this. You've done lots of podcasts, though. I haven't done that many. Really? Yeah. Are you picky? I've probably done about three, yeah. Three? Yeah. Oh, I would have assumed you would have been on like a, a slew of them. I know, but I just try to get out of it because... You don't like it? Well, like they go, we got it to where you could, you'll only be doing an hour? I go, fuck, I'm on Ellen. I do like 14. I'm winded. <laughs> I go, an hour of me blabbing about stupid stuff? But I go to the comedy store and it's like jury duty. Like everyone you see, hey, can you drive to the valley? Do it in my mom's laundry room. Just come by whenever in the summer Please. when it's boiling. Um, you know, we just sit there for... Four or five hours shoot the shit. I go. Sounds horrible. So you, so you have the strategy of you just a blanket. No, people know. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to be a. Yeah, you know, you don't want to play too good. You just go. I only have X amount of stories, and then, and then what I found is, I went on one uh, about two years ago, and then, they were like dissecting it to see what stories they could, put out to the press to get picked up, and I go, oh okay. I mean, it's all biz. It's all work. I get it. Um, We don't do that here. Well, we just put like, we put the podcast out, and if people want to write stories about listen, something. Yours knock, is like a legit guy that's doing a legit show that has been Thank doing you. it in a while. But you know, now it's getting to be mandatory <laughs> where yeah. my friends and stuff that just go, "Hey, I like to talk. I lay around all day, throw it up on some comedy <laughs> network, and you know, let's see what fuck happens." And some are good. Theo Vaughn is a funny guy. I didn't yeah. know about him, but then I started hearing about him and. I've probably listened to approximately zero. Yeah. I listen to Colin Coward sometimes on a, an app because I have Sirius. And then I hear Rich Eyes on there and Dan Patrick because uh, tying sports in. Uh, yeah, but you're 
closet sports fan, though. I do like you sports. You don't advertise it, but you, yeah, I do know that. I'm about like you. a basic asshole. You're aware. Like, talks about sports. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm in fantasy football. I watch uh, the Cardinals. I watch, I try to root for Arizona. I'm from Scottsdale, but it's never quite in the mix. Yeah. After Kurt Warner. When yeah, he, they had like one glory year. When he took that hit on that freebie play, I was like, I, I hated that so much because he was like, I don't know if I'm going to retire. You know what? I'm retiring. <laughs> Fuck this. Like that guy, that was, you know, sports. It was a little unfair, right? I mean, it was yeah. fair, but it was like, do you really need to end his career and just say they love getting a QB when they get a shot, I guess. Arizona is such a weird sports city because Phoenix, Scottsdale, and Glendale are all nowhere near each other. They're all, yeah. And, and you don't realize that until totally you go to like places. a Super Bowl or you go to the, and it's like, oh, I'm here. I'm staying over there. And it's like, oh, that's really far away. Yeah. I mean, when they did the Super Bowl there. It wasn't close to anything. No. For once, I was onto it because, you know, like Super Bowls in Dallas, you're like, oh, there's a freaking Maxim party over here. There's a Sports Illustrated party. You just get in the car and suddenly 40 minutes later, you go, what the fuck? Where am I? Where yeah. am, I why, am I still driving? And that's Arizona. I once got ahead of it because they showed me where the parties were and I go, um, these are nowhere in the vicinity of each other. Like yeah. one's in Scottsdale, one's in Glendale. There was some Rihanna party. I remember that was at Glendale, I think where they have the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that was, I picked the wrong one. You know, you go, where's everyone going? If you pick the wrong one, there's no coming back. Oh no. Cause you're with, you're an hour away from the next one. I was at this Aerosmith one, which is fine, but they're all bad. Believe me, it's just all a clusterfuck. Of, one of the I worst. Sound, I sound like I'm being negative, but you know, I'm not. I'm not super tall. I'm in there just getting smashed. I went to the Rolling Stones last night. By the way, the Rose Bowl, forget it. You went to the Rolling Stones last night? Yeah. That's what was that like? like? Shit. That's another reason I look are like they, shit. Are they, how are they moving these days? A little creaky. But I tell you, when I left and I was going up those stairs, they were like, oh, someone here is older than Mick Jagger. I was like, WD-40 on my knees. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. But the Rose Bowl, are you from here? No, I'm from back east, but I've oh, lived are. here since 02, so I'm so familiar you know with a all little this bit. Stuff. Like the Rose Bowl is a giant clusterfuck. A, it's far. Yeah, they shouldn't even have a swap meet there. Like everything, I hate it already. With it was basically a swap meet mixed with the purge, and then they just threw a band up because <laughs> I couldn't even get to my seats. It was five songs when I got in, so I got to my seats. I'm just walking on. What's happening? Yeah. And then I was Mickey Mouse because everyone knew me, and I, hey, Spadoodle, just like wet sham wow handshakes like because when they're drunk no one cares they're just like on you and then i finally get to close to my seats taking my coat off I you were right you were i know to. i did a good five minutes and i get i get to my seats but it's so jam-packed that they don't keep people out of the hallways you know what i mean out of yeah. the aisle so i bought aisle seats on purpose so you can see a little better and you're not so you got a elbow room meanwhile First problem, can't even get there. I finally get to my row. People in my seats are incensed. I want my seats. Yeah. They look at me like they're squatters. They're like, what? I'm like, are you, what? He's like, what seat are you? I go, well, it's for sure not you. Yeah. So it's probably me because I have the tickets. And he's like, all right. And then I've got to get like an injunction to get them out. Because no yeah. one's just like jumping out. They're like, I don't know, dude. So it's I'm missing a whole that song. That is an interesting move when the person who doesn't have the seat is litigating with the person who actually is holding the ticket. Yeah, the one standing blocking everyone. It's me. not like he doesn't know. It's not. And then a girl seats. walked by me and she goes, "Hey, fuck you!" Because I was standing there. I go, and then I scream all this horrible stuff at her, and she goes, "Oh, you think you're special?" And I go, "Yeah." <laughs> no, I'm not special. But she bumped me, 
and then yelled fuck you to me. Don't, don't do both. Pick one. It's your fault. You rammed into me. I'm just trying to get my own seats. And then now, because there's people, there was this, like, Jimmy Buffett burnout, like, thinking I'm so stoked he's standing. And I'm like, you know, he jams next to me. And he starts inching in the aisle with me, into my row. And I go, there's some shit I won't eat. That's what my dad used to tell me. Yeah. I eat shit all day. But inching into my row, and you don't have a seat, and you're standing in the aisle. And he's like, eh. So you had to do, like, the shoulder block yeah, backwards. And I go, I'm going to get in a fight. I will lose. Is that good or bad for you if you get in a fight at a Rolling Stones concert it's a, in it 2019? It wasn't a bad sp- Mm. 79 that's yeah. a great story 2019 it's rough one of my one of my things i was thinking is it was packed to the gills and i go i can't believe that you know what happens i saw him in 81 yeah and i go this is their last concert this is what everyone says every time yeah. they're never going out again this is it and they were only probably 45 years old but that was old to me so i go they're 45 they can't keep doing this so we all went and then like a couple years later i go well this is it so everyone goes and now they look a little bit, and it sounds mean like the Muppets. Even <laughs> Charlie Watt, I think he had his teeth removed. He doesn't need them. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's like this. He's mm. Yeah. And I go, mm, something's off. But Keith didn't have his bandana on, and he looked a little bit like a crow. But, like, obviously a crow gets more, you know what, than anybody. Yeah. But, and Mick was fine. Took a hundred-hour energy to get through the first three songs. Yeah. He was popping around. It was, that part was fine. I have no problem with them. It was the whole shit show that is the Rose Bowl. I th- I like the analogy that it's like the Purge, but I what? saw the Stones in 89. I drove like four hours to the Meadowlands from college with the okay. same mindset of like, well, this is going to be it. Like, they're going to, and then I remember five years later, they were on a 90210 episode. And the whole episode, <laughs> the whole episode was built around them going to a Rolling Stone show. And it yeah. was like, Oh man, this is sad for the Stones. This will probably be it. Like yeah. being the nine hundred two and zero. They're crop. fade now, yeah. and that's twenty five years later. Still, they're selling out the Rose Bowl. I said that about Snoop Dogg. He's like with Martha Stewart. I go, this is it for this guy. And then everyone's like, he's got more street cred. I go, how's he going the other way? Like, he does every possible sellout thing, and he's even cooler. Yeah, so it he, just adds up. He, he's extra cool, I guess, because it. Yeah, when you were doing like Hollywood Minute in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. if you did a the Stones are old joke, yeah. you probably you would have told the writer to, like take that out. Because that in the mid-90s, that was a cliche joke. Oh, because yeah, there too, yeah. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah, it was a Stones joke. That's an easy I joke. Did, Nobody yeah. made that. Believe and me, now, I did my share of easy jokes. But there was there, a bigger problem back then was if I do a joke that people, it was on the verge of people sort of thinking what they're thinking, but I wasn't, they weren't there yet. I did one about Jim Carrey, who I I love. Yeah. And, uh, and they booed me. And I was like, okay. We, it's too early for this that This was one. Hollywood Minute? Yeah. That was you a did, rehearsal. The so, first couple of Hollywood Minutes, so the crowd out. doesn't know. They didn't really totally know what to do with they don't get, the yeah, They don't get what's going on. It's, it's, it's a stranger me who they don't know, and I'm just sort of making fun of. Oh, I, This is in the era of People Magazine. There was no even Entertainment Weekly. So it's just fawning over stuff. I would watch an entire documentary about the Hollywood <laughs> Because this is... Six years before the internet is rounded into shape. Yeah. And it's just me and my friends making jokes in college, but we're not seeing them on TV in any form. Oh, and you and can relate you come to that. on. Yeah. And we're like, who's this guy? And Dennis Miller's selling the shit out of you early. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, he might. And then you're doing these really mean jokes, and we're like, 
this is amazing. How oh, is I this think, on television? Yeah, that's good. But now it, it's like they, you related know, to it. Yeah, it's like ten a, years later that became the internet. But in nineteen ninety one, Entertainment Weekly that. was like snarky, and I was like, oh, now they're now they're catching on. Like it's not just fawning, and uh, but it was all. By the way, I I liked, I still do. I make fun of everybody, but I like ninety nine percent of the people. It's just like even on the news show, we, I I sort of take it as. If if they do something stupid or screw up or it's just they're in there, you get one free shot. And then if you keep pounding them, then it's not cool. But you get yeah. one freebie. And I think everyone knows that. Well, you've also, you've been around long enough now that you're in kind of that that zone. Yeah, like, yeah. Where I'm in people, the they, get, they get what you do. They know it's not personal. Sure. And you make fun of everybody. It's right. equal opportunity teasing. And they make fun of me and I hate it. But <laughs> you I do personally. hate it. I don't, yeah. I, I <laughs> drop all the rules. I go, wait, what the fuck's going on? Hey, wait. But yeah, because I don't want to, I don't like to take it this way. But you know, how did you sell Lorne Michaels on even doing that idea? Because he was so celebrity friendly, and that was right during his time when he really started to get a little starfucker. Sometimes he would say it. Uh, I'd read it, read through, and I would sit the way the placement was. You might have seen photos. It's like Lorne at the top, yeah, in a long table. So the first, it's Lorne, and to his right is a host, the host. Then it's me. And then it's like, blah, blah, blah. Farley was down here. Sandler was over there. Rock was sort of closer to me up here. And and then the next layer is writers. And then it's all crew. Anyone has to do anything with graphics, like a set design when they read a sketch. Okay, we're going to need this. Everyone's just trying to get ahead of it. Yeah. 45 sketches, you know, nine get on the show. So you're reading them. But when I would read Hollywood Minute, sometimes like a Paul Simon joke would be in there or something. And he'd go, I don't think you need it. Maybe next week. I don't think. Feels like it's just a little bit off. Like I go, okay. That was code. So you'd would you put stuff in knowing that he would be mad because then you could get the oh, other oh, stuff in. Not, well, that, that was my ODS pan com trick. That someone said that yesterday. You put us. You, you put, put three extra, extra jokes fuck, in. Yeah. Yeah. So they go, okay, took that out. Yeah. Come on, man. I wasn't that smart. I was just treading water. You know Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty much the one that gave me the idea because we were at the writer's room waiting for the meeting to start and I was reading magazines and just shitting on them out loud. Yeah. Just making fun of everyone on every page. Like It was like a roast. You know? So you're like that guy. He goes, why don't you do something like that? He goes, nobody's doing that. And I go, it's a little rough. He goes, yeah, sure. So we tried to figure out how to do it as a sketch or this, turned into that, and uh, and then Lauren liked it. I don't know why Lauren liked it right away. And I was on the verge of getting fired every year. I was only Rob Schneider done Cop Machine. We were feature players. Yeah. And we were buddies. And then he blew by me in a rocket ship. Once he got Cop Machine, they made him a cast member. And we came back from the summer. He was a cast member. And they kept telling my manager, I don't know if we're going to keep him. We'll let him come back as a feature player again. So not only am I, I'm not, I was in no Ezekiel Elliott. I was just... I had no power. I was just saying, they kept telling me, well, you're just lucky to be there. So forget asking You're like more, the special teams guy. More money, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was like, <laughs> I was on the practice squad, basically, just getting paid to hang around, and hopefully they'd throw me in. And then, that was like two and a half years of that. Then I get Hollywood Minute, and Lauren goes, maybe, and, like, and it was pretty funny. And then the Monday meeting after, we're all there, I'm getting ignored. And then they go, he goes, David, maybe Hollywood Minute this week? I go, huh, oh. me? I go, fuck you. And then I did it. And then like two weeks later, another one maybe. 
He goes, I think that's your voice. I think that's good for you. I go, yeah. Because I turned into be kind of like a Bill Murray-ish. Um, I wouldn't say that with a lot of padding around it, meaning yeah. he's the prototype of for someone I would look up to and say he's always kind of himself in his parts and he doesn't really disappear. So I looked up to that to say, I guess that's more what I am, only because I'm not De Niro, like Dana doing 90 characters, you know. I would do characters and stuff, but it was, Lauren was like, mm. yeah, he didn't love it. He would say, just play yourself. And, you know, it's not really the show to just play yourself. So I got a lot out of SNL, more than I probably should have, because Adam was great at doing characters. Rob was doing stuff. They all do voices, and they love that stuff. Yeah. And Farley, you could throw him in anything. And, you know, Phil Hartman. Everyone was just like, disappeared, Dana Carvey. Dennis just did the news. And then he slowly just faded out of sketches. And I sort of played myself most of the time. And when when you started getting that, like, Update was pretty static. It didn't have, it didn't become what it became, which was just a bunch of people coming in. Yeah, Because they always in. had that A. Whitney Brown guy was there for yeah. a while. And, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, um, so you mean it was a little, like, Sort of it was a lot of Dennis and Miller, yeah, and maybe, but maybe there wasn't one, a lot of room to like test people. Once out. you found, you know, once we got that, that was a place to go for the kill. Yeah, because the sketches are too competitive. Try to sneak on update if everyone's busy, because they probably will use one feature on update. Yeah, and every read through, there's probably three or four, and then they go to dress with maybe two, and then one gets on. So it's tough. I'd, well, go, I'd go in Sandler's office and I'd, I'd write an update and I walk by his office. I see him pull out a guitar and I go, oh, no. Oh, no. Jesus. I'm dead. I'm dead. He's, it's too good. He's going to go crush it. So I'd go, hey, is that a sketch? <laughs> <laughs> that's for a ske- sketch, please. Uh, so, I mean, that's how Eddie Murphy, when he had, uh, I think it was Raheem Abdul-Muhammad or whatever, that that was how he broke through. Oh. Because they didn't use him for like 10 episodes. Oh, so, and then yeah. he was on an update and got in. If you get through that, or you could do a character. And then bring it into a sketch. Maybe yeah. he, if he did something like Gumby there. No, he, he didn't. Yeah, he. You could he, do that, and then it, people like it. And then you break it into a sketch. And then I, it was like that last couple of years of Miller. They figured out, oh, this is weekend update. Yeah, it's a good you hot do spot. this, but then this is a good way to bring them. Yeah, instead of in. just straight news, bring in people. What was your first year there? Eighty nine. No. Ninety. Easy. Uh, I think ninety ninety one. Yeah. So that I mean that was like the. <laughs> But that was like the most loaded cast year they had. I mean, it was those pretty, two years. It was so it was like the previous generation yeah. leaving and mm. the new generation coming. Dana hung out. I was there to replace Dana, and he didn't leave. So I just was sort of nowheresville, you know, no man's land. And then if someone came on the show, even though we were feature players, if it looked like Sandler, like, don't you forget about the macho man. Right. <laughs> that? Then Sandler would do it. And then if it looked like me, Dana would do it. So... If it looked like Schneider, he would do it. But I didn't. It was hard for me to get in there because Dana was just great. So I can't even, you know, compete with that. So I just wait, and then Dana stayed another year, another. Year. I'm like, ah, not his fault. He's trying to just stay on as long as he can and kill it. I just was just going. I don't know what to do with me. And then when he left, combined Hollywood Minute, got me in more. Got on Gap Girls. Got a few bits in. Yeah. And then just milked as much as I could, and then. Then, you know, Farley and Sandler left the same year. Uh, and I think Will Farrell came. He was great. I knew right away. I'm like, oh, this guy's great. Yeah, you were on that first season. Yeah. You were doing the, uh, what was it? I was David doing my Spade. own little chunk, yeah. yeah. And then that was hard to 
that was hard because I just had one writer, just me and a guy trying to figure out what to do every week in five minutes. You had a couple, a couple ones that stood the tight because you had Aniston like at the I peak of Aniston, her yeah. Rachelness. Yeah, and you had Terry Hatcher Terry at Hatcher, the peak of her Terry places. Hatcherness. We had Terry Snatcher. We had Sean Penn. Give me a Sean tattoo. Penn tattoo. Yeah. That was a good one. I think he's coming on the show to do another one. How did you? I remember when that one happened. I was like. At that point, we just thought Sean Penn was the psychopath who just yeah. walked around and punched photographers. Yeah. And then he's getting a tattoo with you. I'm like, what's going on? How did he unlock day. Sean yeah. Penn? I was at a party with Lauren in L.A. David, want to come with? <laughs> and uh, I think Lovitz was there. Hello. And then Lovitz was talking to Sean. And then I got to meet him just by standing like in the same little circle. You know, I didn't really talk to him. And then when I went back to SNL, of course, I was out of ideas. And then I read in the paper that. Sean was on Letterman that week. So I go, Lovitz, will you ask him if he'll... He was mentioning he did a tattoo on a potato or something. Yeah. I said, ask him if he can do it. And uh, and he goes, you ask him. I'll give you his number. Don't say you got it from me. So I just left a he'll message me. to Sean. Yeah, he, everyone's scared of him. Yeah. So I left a message. I said, hey, I meant you that thing. If you want to come do this thing. And then he called back. Yeah, okay. And then I got scared. I go, oh, am I doing this? I gotta get a tattoo. What was the tattoo? I forget. It's so dumb. I well, I had. We called Steven Tyler to get his uh, on his arm because I liked it. And yeah. then if I have to get one, this one's pretty cool. Yeah. So I brought it down. It's illegal for Sean to give me one because he's not licensed. So we had to go outside of Manhattan. And then he got lost in the car. I sent for him. So he stopped to drink and then came in. I wasn't allowed to drink. And I was nervous just even to see him. Just all of it. And then he came in, and uh, he was very cool. He's been so cool since. I didn't know what to make of him. But the guy goes, oh, he can't do this. So we had to go in the newspaper and just pick the most basic thing he could do or pull the plug Oh, out. so he was like a very, very He's only done primitive tattoo yeah. person yeah, or tattoo person. Yeah, so the guy goes, if you haven't done it, just we'll just do this little outline. It was Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. It was that. It's yeah. So dumb, yeah. So... He goes, he can just barely do that. And I go, sure. It's like jackass. I go, sure. Just give me a tattoo of whatever. It'll be a joke that goes on forever. It's a great story, though. It's a good story. So I go, it'll be worth it, I hope. So I interviewed him. And then the, the needle was noisy. So the sound guy, me, is like, I don't know. I go, just go. We'll figure it out later. I'm, we're we'll already here. everything yeah. in Chinese. I just got to get something out of this week. And then I walked around the tattoo shop, made fun of tattoos to kill time until he got there. And then... We did it, and I just basically read jokes to him and uh, made fun of him, and he would look up now and then. And he just played it cool. That was my favorite part of that because I'd really never seen him laugh ever in mm -hmm. 15 years, and it seemed like making Sean Penn laugh was probably the single hardest thing to do. That was, of, it was huge. Of any me, human yeah. task. So even seeing, like, the side of his mouth curl up, is whoa! Yeah, he's, like, smoking, and then he goes, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Then he look at me, like, oh. uh, because, you know, we I knew him from... Spicoli and all those things. I know oh, that, yeah. dude. You know, and he was so funny. And then he goes right into like really. I think he was doing Casualties of War. Then remember that one with Michael J. Fox? Where he was like, "Hey, Sarge, you're a farm girl, Sarge. Oh, Christ, Mallory." <laughs> and Sean was like, "We're gonna get some BC goo cores." That movie was nuts. You did you remember that? You did Michael J. Fox. What was that? A Family Ties thing? You did that yeah, on the show? Yeah, was the. Uh, it was one of, one of your better Child ones. Child stars bank robbery or something. Yeah. And it was all, they all went bad. So the, SNL had that stretch. 
I obviously a child of pop culture like yeah. you, where we all had eleven channels and we're all watching the same yeah. nineteen shows. Sure. And then all of those people grew up and ended up on SNL. And anytime they would do like Partridge Family versus yeah. Brady Bunch or something, I was like, This is it's this perfect. is for me. If someone told me that it makes sense. Maybe it was Lauren that uh, everybody's favorite SNL seasons were in high school, when they were in high school, right? Because that's when you stayed home, and you had to be home at a certain point, and you'd watch it, and that was like getting away with something because it was dirty. And then in college, you're so fucked up, you don't even watch really as much anymore. And then after that, you're just we out were taping of it. We had, I had a I don't know how I guess the last two years we had um, a VHS thingy VCR yeah. So we would oh, tape okay. them and watch them on Sundays. And if you missed it, like, let's say I did it. The music was amazing, oh, too. Music like, was fucking great. Nirvana and people like the Pearl Jam. Oh. It was all the best people that were playing back I then. I was such always a star on. fucker, too, because, you know, when you have a dinner break on Saturday before the show, 5.30 to 6.30, and there's, like, a little tiny cafeteria where you can eat stuff. Yeah. So you can eat or watch the music. The rehearsal, and yeah. so I would usually do the first half, watch the music, and then just go eat. But then they would come eat. So I sat with Nirvana both times they were there and uh, just sort of kissed their ass, talked to them. They were blowing up, but it was, you know, it's not like legendary like it is now. But I remember I, the second time they were on it, it was significant. Yeah. The first time it was like, oh, they're having these guys on? Cool. Second time it was like, whoa. It was so big, yeah. They're back. And even when uh, the second time Pearl Jam was on, I was saying, you guys should do a live. And they were like, we did last time, dumb shit. I go, oh, you did? <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. <laughs> Because I didn't know who they were the first time. Yeah. They were always getting They bands. were early that time. Yeah, because one week we'd have hot house flowers and then they wouldn't blow up. You know, they were trying to gamble. They'd get, get on someone early, like Nirvana or Pearl Jam. So you have to book them, make sure you're really rolling the dice. They're going to blow up. My favorite ever, and I've written about this because there's no copies online, was the Crash Test Dummies were on. Oh, that, yeah. And they sang that mm-mm yeah. song. But the guy is like... I don't know what's going on with him, whether he was like had severe stage fright or he was just zonked out or whatever. And he's just making these crazy faces the whole time. And it was on the internet for like oh, and they did, they, two did they weeks. And it then it's gone. Now, so I've been just dying for that Once to reappear. There was a but he's kind of like, who, maybe <laughs> right. he had some sort of like Tourette's or something. I don't know, but he keeps like kind of nodding at his bands and having these weird, it's the was strangest fight. I think it was. I was there. Well, they had like, when else would they have been on? It would have been like 93, 94. It is the weirdest performance of oh, all time. I don't remember. I remember but, yeah. he had a couple that, you know, Sinead O'Connor ripping up the Pope picture. and uh, there was That was weird. I mean, watching that one live, it just seemed like there was technical difficulties or something. You didn't realize, like... Well, when that was the first time that no one applauded. Yeah. At the end of a band, and we just went to commercial, and I was like... I was next to Lauren. He's drinking. He goes, mm, Irish. <laughs> and then... And then... I walked over and saw the picture on the ground, so I took a piece of it, and then I just put it in my pocket. Seriously? Yeah, because I go... That was smart. It's kind of funny. By the way, I'm not a religious guy. I didn't even know really what the fuck was going on. Right. I didn't know how big a deal it was. So I get home. That's Saturday. You didn't hang out so there at the, po- the post-party? No, she was really cute, actually. All the yeah. guys were flirting with she her. She was adorable. And then everyone was like, stay away. <laughs> Bad for your rep. She's going to hell. Yeah, she was poisoned. No one would talk to her. And then we go to the party then that sunday i'm doing my laundry with my stack of quarters and in my crummy dog shit apartment i see on inside edition there's it's a worldwide story now yeah you know, it's every news is talking about it. i'm like oh my god i can't wait to go to work and see this and then they go 
the picture that was heard around the world and they put the ripped up picture up, but one piece is missing and I look down and I hold it up and I have that piece. I go, oh, that's the real picture. I thought they just like ripped one up to show like what it looked like. Yeah. I go, they have the real picture from the garbage on the ground? Like, and so the next day, of course I went to work and of course I was telling like Adam and those guys, I got a piece of the picture. And they're like, cool, cool. And then, eh, Lauren wants to see you. I go, huh? <laughs> So I go into his, uh, Kenny Amon, who's a great guy that works there. And, and he had two security guys. Spade, do you have anything we should know about? Oh, I'm lying immediately. Oh, and uh, they go, they heard you took the picture. Someone sold it to Inside Edition. And I go, oh, I don't know, yeah. What picture? I played too dumb. Who was on the show last week? And then uh, I said, I do have, I had it on me. <laughs> and so I gave it to him. He goes, we'll take that. And I was like, uh, meanwhile, they, they kept it. Instead of me keeping it, they kept it. He probably like framed it. Put in like they, a Hampton house. They found the stagehand who did it. So stagehand sold it. Yeah. Wow. Savvy. Yeah. And 10 grand. I'm trying to think if that's worth it for Inside Edition, I guess. Get a segment out of it. I know it was big, but you know, if they kept, is a mosquito in here? If they kept it. Oh, I got him. Oh, Gross. No. Gross. Malaria. Malaria. I feel it <laughs> sinking in my veins. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Why were you guys so close? Because it usually seems like the SNO cast, they stay together and then they scatter after the show and they don't stay right. in touch. But you had, well, it was like this weird, it was almost like you guys were college dudes like we're still lived in close. a house. Yeah, that's, that's a miracle. I, uh, it's very unusual. It's a good question. Let me think. I knew Rob ahead of time. We did stand-up. We knew Sandler from doing stand-up. Drake Sather, he wasn't on, but he was on my Young Comedian special. And then we met, we knew Judd from Apatow from stand-up. And then we, and then me and Rob got the show. Then we put in a word for Adam. He got on the show. 
wasn't because of us, but he, that was good yeah. that he got on. So we all knew each other. So you sort of gravitate to each other. Farley and I. Farley just seems like everyone gravitates. He just, yeah, everyone just yeah. likes him. So, and we shared an office, so we just would screw around. But we got along great. So, so that was. And then Chris Rock. And Chris Rock, I just was nice to him because I heard he's a great stand-up. And he's always like, Spade, you were the first guy that was nice to me. Showed him around and stuff. Because when you get there, everyone just closes the door because you're competition. I thought they'd be like, four, he's the jolly good. Right. You got to, you, we're having a surprise party for you because you got the show and everyone's so excited for you. You walked in, it's just crickets. And they go, be here at one on Monday. No one else got there till five. I'm just walking around in circles going, is someone here in the office on 17? And finally someone goes in and goes, go wait by Lauren's office. So I sit there for two hours. I see white writers trickle in. And we can't, I can't even meet Jim Downey. He's like my boss. But he finally shows up. He goes, all right, here's your pad and pen. You know, like a yellow pad. Yeah. No computers. And here's like those little square desks, like almost, you know, you get in school. And he goes, here's your crummy office. And just, you know, write sketches this week. Host is Tom Hanks. And you go, Oh, Jesus. No coaching, no how long. I, w- I would have sat him with a thousand questions. That was your first host, Tom Hanks? No, like- it wasn't. It was um, either Alec Baldwin or one of these guys. It was a good one, though. You yeah. know, it was, it was whoever it was, was the biggest star I've ever seen. I had four shows before the summer. One was Dice Clay for his crazy legendary appearance. And one <laughs> was Alec Baldwin's first time. One was Candace Bergen. Maybe Corbin Burns. So, and some good bands. I didn't know what the hell. I wrote a joke about a, a sketch about a puffer fish for Lovitz, and it was like 17 pages. I didn't know. <laughs> probably 45 sets. It was probably a million dollars. I didn't know. And I handed it in. They're like, what's this shit? They didn't put it in read through. They go, this is ridiculous. I go, someone tell me something. I don't, yeah. I'm a middle act. I'm not even a headliner. I'm a stand up. I don't want to write for people. I just want to be on the show and be famous. I don't want to do anything. And they're like, write for Dana, write for Mike Myers. And I was like, these guys are too good for me to write right. for. And, and when I look back, you know, it's Jack Handy and Conan O'Brien and it's Bob insane. Odenkirk, Odenkirk. Smigel. That's just the writing stuff. Downey, the Turners, and then Dennis's writing stuff. And, was uh, Smigel there still? Yeah, he was, was, right? He was Jesus. there for a while when I was there. And then Adam's writing his own stuff. He's great. Schneider's smart. Everyone's... I didn't know how hard that would be. I had no idea that everyone was so good. And then I didn't get, it took a year to just formulate how to write a sketch and make it make sense and not be embarrassed and then start getting them on. But that's also your popularity and when they want you on and yeah. they can take any, I think Jay Moore was saying like, you know, you don't get them on right away. And he and he even knew it when he came in. I remember Jay saying, I, I know how it is. It's tough here, but you can't freak out. You got to just pace it out. Yeah. And I think the first show he goes, hey, I did a sketch. You got some laughs. But you know, it's the way the ball bounces. <laughs> and then a week later, nah, my sketch killed. But, you know, fuck them. <laughs> and then I, it, it deconstructed quicker than normal. Three weeks later, he goes, fuck this place. I think he threw his phone out the window. <laughs> and I go, Jay, you you saw it coming. And, and you know it. And we all hate it. But he's like, I know. But once you're in it, it's too it's too much. Yeah. It's a pressure cooker. But everyone says the same story. Even you've heard it a million times, but it's all real. So just randomly you end up in the same office with Farley. I think we asked because we we stayed at the same hotel the first day and walked. I said, oh, are you Farley? I called his room. I said, you want to walk over? He goes, yeah. He was new. Yeah. 
So we walked over from wherever they put you up, and then we just were laughing, and then we got there, and then they said, you get your office. And I was sitting with him. They go, you want to just put a desk in with Spade? And he goes, yeah. So we went there, and then Adam was and Rock were through our office. What, we, was, the, what was the first fart from him, like within a minute? For three minutes? You know what he did do is he, at read, <laughs> at read through, you know, he'd walk in the office. I didn't know this, but he'd flick my light on and off twice. Like it's a stick light, you know, yeah. like the old days. Didish, didish. And then he'd go, let's go. Boop, boop. And he'd tap the exit sign on the, or my doorway. I didn't know anything about OCD or anything. This is all he did every time. I thought it was to be funny. Oh, he had OCD? But he did. He, and before we do a take in a movie, he would uh, lean over and he'd pull up each pant leg twice and then stand up again. Oh, and touch the ground once. And uh, I thought he was, and honestly, I was like, he's stretching out. No one knew what OCD was. I don't know. Yeah. But once he was doing it so much, and then someone called him on it, I go, we, I don't even think there's a name for it. He was just like, it's habits. It's like performance OCD almost. Anxiety or something. Yeah. But, oh, I was going to lick. <laughs> and read through. You can ask Adam. We all watch. His sketch is coming up. And it gets close, and he pulls his wallet out, pulls it, each bill out, and licks each corner and puts it back in his wallet. And everyone goes, he looks at me, and I go, psycho. And he goes, fuck you, across, because he's so nervous. And he starts going like this. I go, bananas, you're scaring him. But I never even, now that you know what sort of OCD is, these, these things that people do, or tics or threats, there's something going on. Nervous habits, we called it, I don't know. But there was something for sure he was doing. And uh, no one cared. He was funny. And it just made us laugh anyway, whatever he was doing. Didn't so at some point, you guys just all became a gang. Yeah. And everyone well, we're all in there together. And then yeah. there's Dennis Miller, Lovitz, Dan they were, and Phil Hartman. Those are the old guard. Jan Hooks, Nora Dunn. And they were all. And you have no internet. Nobody's on their phones. Nothing, yeah. You just guys are killing time, making each other laugh yeah, for long, long hours. And writing. Oh, eating this pizza. is funny. You want to write this up with me? Let's go eat, laugh. I wasn't really drinking. Wasn't doing any cola. The one time you should have been doing talk chalk all night just to stay up. <laughs> right. But I was not really a night person, so I'd write till one, maybe two. But you're allowed to go in at noon and write. Just right. no one does. Everyone just puts it off. And that's why they write all night. But, well, you also have to time your body, right? Because yeah. you have to peak at 11.30 at night, which is I'm not a like bizarre that. thing to do. Yeah, because on the news show is weird because we shoot in the day. And at 2.30, I get so nervous. And then yeah. I come down, I go, this is so weird after a few days. I go, I'm not used. It's always night. Always stand up. Yeah. Even movies, you don't really peak that much nerves like I do on uh, the Comedy Central show, Lights Out, because I can't. I, that's so crammed into one half hour yeah. that it's getting closer to it and depending on who's on or I'm not prepared enough or I go, I don't know if the show's great today and and I got to go see these people and I don't want to disappoint them and I want to make it easy for them. But some shows, I go, shit. And it seems to come together at the end because I'm cramming harder and getting ready. But it's also a big fuck off because when you have three people talking. I was going to say, for, you, you reminded me of Jeff Ross because who yeah. I got to know. He was just always on. Like he's, you could plop he's him in the loose, middle of nowhere yeah. and he's just going to start making fun of like the usher in the movie theater. He's like actually he can't, better at it than me because this isn't really a roast and, it, you know, no one no, really knows what just, it is until we start doing it. You're few. seeing the humor of, of, that's why your Instagram, well, we're I talk, think, took Yeah, I'm doing, tr trying to do slightly drier stuff, but the first couple of shows people thought they were there to just roast me. 
Oh, and so I was going to go after them, so they were going to go after me first. I'm like, it's not even like that. But, you no. know, find your way. Like, they saw I wasn't really fighting back hard. I wasn't really going after anyone. We're just making but fun see, of they the thought stories. it was like a Roastmaster show of They us? didn't know. Like, they were going, hey, Spade, you fucking dick. I'm like, hey, okay. <laughs> trying to get the show off the ground here. But all the bits we do, and we did one last night about Mumford & Sons being... I'm interviewing bands to see if they're good enough to be my house band. So we interviewed Rascal Flatts, Mumford & Sons. It's always, like, really good bands. Yeah. And then I, I'm i on the fence about them. So I just... <laughs> so Mumford & Sons, I go, you look like... You're kind of like an Aerosmith with allergies. And then all I do is sit there and make fun of them and look at my list of questions and go, blah, blah, blah. Mumford & Sons, sound like a vacuum cleaner repair store in the valley that's going out of business and they just stare at me <laughs> basically i just do jokes about them and then go i don't know i'll let you know and then i leave and uh and last night when we aired it luckily when we came back as a bumper we used them laughing at one of my jokes because they were like we're not supposed to laugh right just to show that they are in on it right, right it's right. just fun because i wasn't there to make them look bad or anything they were nice would you want to accomplish with the show I was I was surprised, but also happy that you decided oh, to do it. I think because my last, I'm sure you'd had offers before to do right. different types of things. It it was a combination of my last movies were out of town. I started to get burned out on the travel because my stand ups out of town. Then the movies out of town. So you go to Boston; it's raining every day. You know, morning one. Yeah. God, grown ups. Everything we've done there. Father of the year. Grown ups. Um, grown ups too. We did one other one there, and it just. It poured 90% of the time. I guess when we go Maybe March, April, rain. May, it's yeah. just like... Yeah, it's not a great time to go. So tough. So I just thought I'd like to be in town. My whole life has been traveling. And people say this, but this sounds like a good opportunity because I, I, I go, I like to make fun of stuff. I like to make fun of Hollywood. I like Instagram. And so I started getting DMs about my Instagram from executives going, this is sort of weird. Would you want to do this on like a show if you could think right. of a way? And I go, I don't know. Let me think. Because Instagram is a throwaway joke. Like little to no thought is put into my stories. I walk by something. If it's funny in my head, I just film it. I don't do another take. I just do it. It's for free. If you don't like it, tough shit. Don't. You've mastered the corner of that person across the street is doing something goofy. Yeah. I'm going to mock them for I'm about gonna a sort of make it. Yeah, because they're uh, yeah. taking selfies. I was, I was selfies jealous of and, that. That's a good gimmick. And why don't, then they should be more embarrassed. Why aren't you embarrassed? I yell at them. <laughs> be more embarrassed. Yeah, be more embarrassed. <laughs> Look what you're doing. You're standing in the middle of the street <laughs> taking selfies with your, you know. So different things made me laugh and just dry. And I said, on the show, I don't think that translates because there's more pressure on it. Like, this isn't that funny. It's like, yeah, I know. It's funny when you sort of stumble into it. And you go, well, that's not bad. Yeah. What do I want from an Instagram story? I can't expect the world. So, oh, it's got a talking balloon in this one. You know, whatever. And then when we do the show, we have to use all your brains in the room to go, is this funny enough for the show? Is it too weird? I go back to Letterman. I go, I like dry stuff. I'd rather take a swing that's weird and doesn't kill. But at least you go, all right. Yeah. Well, it's not the same shit everywhere. So the show is similar to a lot of shows. It's just more my sense of humor. And I interview people, but it's more just talking. You have three guests stuff. together. Three guests. Come on, do a quick cold opening about whatever. Maybe just a joke to camera. and then. Uh, but I film it myself, so it's more relatable to what's going on in the world. A lot of people FaceTime. A lot of people look down at their phone. They self. So that is... Just that little thing is different than just filming it with cameras. Yeah. I just walk in saying my joke. And then 
I do a monologue. I like monologues. I've always have. Out of the talk shows, I'm the only one who's actually came up as a comedian. Now they're all good at it. But they weren't comedians, but I go, I should do a monologue. And then the guys write great jokes. I put my twist on them to try to make them more my voice. And then I have the panelists watch the monologue, and then they laugh if they want, and they jump in. So sometimes they... Then you can play off. Like yesterday, someone yeah. goes, boo. <laughs> I go, for what? And I go, that joke? And I go, I know, it's sort of shitty. But I just talk, I comment on the monologue while I'm doing it and on them. They pick fights with me, and sometimes I go, I do a joke, and then I aim it toward them at the end, and then uh, they fight back. But it's just screw off. Then I sit with them. We talk for a commercial or two about different subjects, what's going on in the news, Miley Cyrus got a worse, whatever stories, we find dumb stories. And then we usually do a field piece. I go out and tape something. We had Schneider do that Richmeister copy machine guy the other day. He came in to do that, uh, interviewed the bands, or we had the stand-up comedian thing where I put an earpiece in people and I just, we make them do stand-up, but the audience yeah. doesn't know it. That one was our best one, I think. That one came out great. Oh, I, I, I showed how I run The Bachelor, so same thing. I sit in a booth and tell The Bachelor on the TV show what to say it looks like. So when they're about to talk, I go, maybe just say something it's really stupid idea. about your parents. And then the guy goes, you know, my mom has a chicken ranch. I go, too stupid. Back it up. Back it up. But it, it, it came off kind of funny, you know, to show that. And so that one, you know, and then they get passed around a little bit. And then Comedy Central says, do that one again. Or They've been pretty good at going, just do whatever you think is funny and we'll let you know when it's really bad. So they don't, they're not all over our asses. To change I think anything. that Instagram part of this is hilarious. That oh, I do Instagram bumpers too. No, just that it took that for them to be like, "Hey, yeah. this David Spade guy." It's like, yeah, well, been oh here yeah, for three decades. I was getting at that. So we did a pilot called Verified. That was a good name. It was about Instagram, about social media, and strong name and all that shit. And I go, I just want to do this for the name. It's a great idea. We came up, and then that was so they brought me in and they said we tested it. I thought it was over. I did a pilot. I didn't hear for three months. So I'm doing my other stuff, and they go, I was prepping this movie in Hawaii, and they go, before you go, here's our test. People like this, this, and this. Do you want to get it picked up for 10 episodes once a week, or we'd rather you flip it and do it every night because we the tests are strong. So we want you to do it every night after the Daily Show, where at midnight used to be. Just run with it. Expand it a little bit. Do whatever you want. We won't even tell you. Just You figure out a show there. And that was where it was, like, too fun. It sounded too fun. Like, oh. You didn't trust them. I'm in town. I did trust them. I said, I'm in town. My own manager at Burlstein, Mark, was going to be one of the producers. I go, he already works with Jim Jeffries. They, they liked them over there. Everything was going well. It sounded like a big challenge. So it's like the first three weeks of a relationship where everything is just perfect. And it's, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. It's good. And you go, it's going to be hard because... I'm not even stupid enough to know it's going to be. Oh, you're getting a text. It's not even stupid <laughs> enough to. Uh, <laughs> to I'm not dumb enough to go. Uh, I know it wasn't your trainer. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> kidding. <laughs> no, I'm joking because the other guy's ripped and, you know. Tommy. Tommy, he's ripped. He's over. I saw a solo flex he just took out of his trunk. Uh, he's like, just a couple reps while this guy blabs for an hour. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what I was saying. But, the show is hard to do 
and I know it. I know how hard it is. So I go, it's gonna be hard. Got Frank Sebastiano. He's a good roast writer, old SNL writer, buddy of mine. Dragged him in. Anybody we could grab. And then my buddies started going, I'll come on it. I think it's funny. That's been good because I said, no stars, three comics a night. They're comedy store guys, they're headliners. But I get stressed when they want stars, and then you gotta, you know, we're not gonna beat the ratings of the So you want your friends Fallon. to volunteer, basically. Well, I go, I don't wanna ask them for sure. That's gross. But if I think of a bit just for them, that's the hard part. So, Aniston, hey, will you do this one thing I thought of for you? And I go to John Mayer and I talk on Instagram. I go, if I think of a bit for you, he goes, yeah, I like you. Yeah, for sure. Let's do something. And some just say, no, I don't want to. I'm going to wait and see. I'm like, all right, don't be too honest. Gross. Because they want to see if the show does well yeah. before they agree. Yeah. Interesting. Uh -huh. And I go, I get it. I mean, my manager at PR, first thing they do is their first reflex is to say no to anything, especially if it's new. Yeah. You're not the guinea pig. Let's wait. Like Amy Schumer, no one's on her show the first year. Second year, people ask to be on. Yeah. So we got lucky where people started to say, early on, that sounds funny. Yeah, yeah, I want to do that one. And then come on. And then the comics that come on, they go, oh, it is kind of fun. That wasn't hard to get comics. Even good ones. I mean, we get, obviously, anyone who goes in the comedy store. We got Adam Egget, who books the comedy store, and who's a buddy of mine, to book this. because Is that the Norm MacDonald guy? Yeah. <laughs> He has access to every great comic yeah. in the country. And so I'm like, why are we hiring a guy? Let's get him. So he does the comedy store anyway. So he's like, this guy's great. He's in town. He went this guy. And they talk every day anyway. And so we started loading up a month right away. Leno called me last week, told me how great the show was. He loves it. He likes it. It's just jokes. I can't believe you didn't do a Leno impersonation right there. I was waiting I know, for it. Because it's bad. It's so easy. Hey, just jokes. <laughs> He goes, I love monologues. You do monologue. You, people chime in. That's new. He goes, you do these bits, feel pieces I don't see coming. He goes, love it. He goes, I'll come on. You want me to come on? And so he's coming on in a week. I said, for sure. Uh, he goes, I love it. Just place, go do jokes. And, but he goes, I called you to support, you know, because you're doing a new show. And I did, you know, 22 years of it or something. He goes, yeah. I'm just telling you, you're, you're on the right track. So keep it up. That was nice. That was nice. I did that show, you know, 20 times. So nice to hear from him. You've... I mean, you've done everybody going back to probably Carson, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm like a big did talk you do Carson? show guy. I did one, yeah. So you've d you've done everybody basically since 1980. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. Letterman. Mike and Maddie. Kilborn. <laughs> All the old ones. <laughs> yeah, Kil I probably did Kilborn once. I knew Kilborn. I'm sure I did. I did uh, early Conan, mid Conan, yep. and then famous Conan. Yep, because Conan was one of my buddies from SNL. Uh, and did Letterman a bunch. That was like a big deal. Did Letterman when crack him up was the hardest like it was the funnest and then at the commercial he'd whisper something and i'd be like uh-huh swooning that's be how i found out about just about everybody from letterman like if they go on and then when i was a kid like if people like Tequila. seinfeld would go on yeah and if they were good it would felt like substantial yeah you know because i think carson was that guy for the people in the 70s but for the 80s for our yeah. people it was maybe because he was tough you know he doesn't laugh a lot and he's weird and he likes weird bits so i like this show and the whole dryness of the tone and then if he had a comedian he kind of laughed i go oh he's laughing at that guy yeah it's a good trick and he would have weird people that carson would have never had on george too. miller he had always like yeah, buddies george on for a miller. while and then i'm like is he that good like it took me a couple to go oh it's his buddy I was Jeff Altman I saw early on. It was funny. and uh, I was convinced George Miller was amazing for three years before slowly realizing that I maybe know. he wasn't Seinfeld. He would, he would have some good stuff, but 
I, I can see it because, you know, it's, it's all his buddies at the store and then you get your own yeah. fucking show and they're like, well, you're obviously putting me on, right? And they're like, he's like, well, right now it's tricky because right now I'm the head of my show, so I can't, I, it's hard to blame it on anyone. Yeah. I, well, go, I, mean, that's I a- want to, but they just, and he's like, who's they? It's you. <laughs> it's I'm your like, show. No, but and I was like, God, I've never been in this position. Before. I mean, I loved Leno in the 80s. He was oh, yeah. the best Letterman guest he had. Yeah. He was on every four weeks mm-hmm. and he killed every time. That's where I was into Leno. I'm like, look at this guy. He's got more shit. Like, I'm sitting at home going, I would, I'd never wanted to be a stand-up. I was just like, this guy's funny as shit. I didn't think of being a stand-up till out of high school. Never show. But, and by the way, never SNL, nothing. Just when I did stand-up, my biggest aspiration was to be a middle act. I go, if I can just middle. You're from Michigan, right? I'm from Michigan. Yeah. And, and then it was Arizona after that. But kicking around the Arizona clubs. So you started going there to the clubs, getting your ass kicked? <laughs> I, I told Colin Quinn, I go, I started when there was like no comedy scene in Arizona. He goes, there's still no comedy scene. <laughs> it's true. But I, I caught this weird wave where I just did it out of the blue. I saw it in New Times, some comedy club. I go, well, they have a club where people just, like the people I see on Carson. Okay. Yeah. So I went down there and just, I was 18. I watched. And even the guys that were shitty, I go, they just walk up. There. I was floored and mesmerized. And then I saw Barry Sobel do an hour. I was the first guy I saw Barry an Sobel, hour. Barry Sobel, wow. great. And yeah. I go, are you making this shit up? I was like my mom. She thought I made up my whole hour, you know. And then she goes, you did some of the same jokes when I saw you. And I go, yeah, no shit, mom. It took me five years to get that hour. Right. Oh. <laughs> One time I did a show in her Spokane where she was working and she invited everyone from work to see me. I booked it basically to visit her and get paid for it. And then, yeah. And I was new. And they wanted me to do 45 and I had about 35. So I really squeaked it out. And then she had everyone from work stay for the late show. And she goes, just two different stuff. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? I barely got through that, mom. That was the squeezed out 45. I have 35. I had to go to the crowd. Where are you from? <laughs> oh, you're all from Spokane. Okay, it didn't work. And then <laughs> and then she goes, no, do different stuff. I go, mom, you don't get what I do. I'm an artist. Do you still do stand-up or not really? I do, yeah. I did it the other night at the store. Oh, I was killed. Oh, what did you ask me? So you still have... <laughs> I threw that in. You still have the need to just, like, work the muscle? Everyone was like, you're the best one here, blah, 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 whatever. Who cares? Um, I still do have the need because it's so hard. I think that's why, like, Ellen did it again. Yeah. I think that's why Eddie wants to do it again. Sarah Silverman was talking... I had her on three weeks ago and we were talking about... It's like golf. You just got to kind of keep going out there. By the way, I, I, I'm i only two, doing Two, three times a week. Yep. I got to take my act out for a walk because I don't remember it. And I don't remember the connective tissue between the bits. And I don't remember how to do an hour. So I go to the store, but it's only 15, 15. And it's almost impossible to do like four different 15s to get ready for an hour. Because yeah. you sort of get into it the same way. And they're not always in that chunk, you know. So... It's almost pointless, but just to walk up the night before I go on and do an hour, I'm doing Brea improv, then I'm doing, uh, I'm doing uh, Oklahoma, uh, this hilarious named casino, but with Dennis Miller and Norm. Next week. Norm? Me, Norm. Where do the IT ah! actually shows up? It's so funny. Um, I don't know. And he goes, David, how are you getting there? He just hit me up. I go, oh no. I go, I thought you were getting a private jet. What? Who told you that? Because he wants me to get one. 
So I play Norm in his own game. And I go, oh, you got a jet? No, I just said I don't. Oh, can I go with you? No, you're not listening. <laughs> I play his bullshit game. He plays dumb all the time. And then Dennis goes, I think we should just all go together because it's so funny. I did the same gig with Dennis. And look, will you look that up where that gig is? Windstar. Oh, Windstar Casino in where? Oklahoma, right? It's a hilarious name city. Oh, the city? You want the city? Right. Thackerville. Thackerville. So me and, and that's why it's so funny. It, I played it before and it was fun. It was packed. It was me and Dennis. And then Dennis goes, Spudley, I'm, I want to get out of here. Why don't I go first? I go, you're the headliner. <laughs> right. And by the way, following Dennis is almost impossible. Yeah. And so I got it. This time it's me, Norm, and Dennis. I don't even know the order, but they're both hard to follow. They do great. Norm has replaced Super Dave now as comedy's biggest enigma slash beloved, beloved with all the other people. Person. Crazy man, yeah, yeah. But he he is always. Everyone funny. has nine Norm stories. Even I have of like course. three Norm stories. Someone said you have some connection to Norm. Do you? He wrote for Grantland. Oh, he we had mutual friends, and uh, that was it. And he wanted to write a golf column about like golf gambling. I'm like Look. great, he did four. And then just, ne we never heard from him again. Yeah. Then saw him two years later. He was like, hey, I love doing that golf column. Uh, like, well, we, he's like, what happened? And like, Here's <laughs> what happened. You we cut off the you. world. Yeah, we emailed you repeatedly and you didn't answer anything. But yeah, Sound it was, it was classic. <laughs> sounds about right. If we were in a court, I'd go, I can vouch for that story. I know nothing about it. <laughs> I believe your version. But with me, I go, I go, Norm. He goes, David, you want to have dinner? Yeah. And then I go, yeah. Me and you eating dinner and then talking about fun old times? Sure. How about tomorrow night? Yes. And then no word, doesn't follow up. And then four weeks later, three in the morning, hello? <laughs> and then 301, David, answer me. I go, Norm, I can't play this anymore because it's funny, but it's... Letterman's love for Norm MacDonald is is one of the most... I would watch a documentary about that, too. Yeah, he, by the way. It seems like he just appreciates and loves him the most, and I, I have no idea why. I busted Norm wide open because that last Letterman... Yeah. Uh, he went on. This is how he got so solidified in. Yeah. So we have the same manager, me and uh, Norm. So I go, hey, Gervitz. Uh, he goes, ah, did you see Norm on it? Letterman last night? And I go, no. I saw some chick bawling. <laughs> Why, was Norm on too? And he goes, hey, 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 I'm going to tell him. I go, please do. I go, Norm, were you crying on Letterman? He goes, no, I, I was, I got teary because I go, that's crying. Go ahead. Yeah, that's tears are crying. And he goes, no, because I love Letterman. I go, I know, but relax. Right. I go, we all go on there. We all love Letterman. But, and then I go, well, guess who's producing your show? The tears paid off. Mm. <laughs> Let him in. Will you do my show? Remember me? I was crying. I'm like, worked. Oh, baby alive cries Effective. real tears. Uh, I know. It's funny. But it's a good thing to bust his balls. Actually, I have to say, one of my favorite things I've done, and I haven't seen, is me on Norm's show on Netflix. I Oh. It was probably a year or two ago. No, a year ago. When he did his show, he had 10 episodes. I was the first one. Yeah. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know if I knew it was on Netflix. I didn't know. I just, he said, David. Yeah. Our friendship's a total one-way street. Will you do me a favor? And then when you ask me for one, I'll disappear. I go, of course not. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I go, I go, all right. So I go on this thing. And I'm sort of just shitting on it. I didn't know we started. We're just talking. Yeah. You know, like we were talking when I came in. Right. And then he goes, all right. Let, no, he didn't say that. He goes, let's go to commercial. And I go, oh, are we on? 
right. we're going to a commercial. I go, no, we started. I had like a can of, you know, LaCroix or something. I go, he I didn't do have an a intro. can up here, can I? No one's even, I was talking to my assistant. I was just screwing off, waiting for the, because you know, just sit down. Norman's no one really says a word. Something. And it was funny and I liked it. And then people would say, I like the show because first of all, some would go, I love that you guys are great friends. Someone would say, are you guys even friends? <laughs> because it was such an oddball weirdo thing that, and I didn't even let myself watch it because I go, I just like the idea of remembering it and going, it was weird. And then I would bust his balls about something and then he would drop me about something and get on my ass. And then it was over. And I gave him, all, I gave him another hard out, but I gave him 90. And he goes, I hear you have to leave after. And I go, you have to fucking continue life, you asshole. Who wants to sit here for 90 minutes and talk stupid shit? I, uh, anyway, I don't. I go, I have 10 minutes of stories, Norm. You are, and you want me here for 90. So 80 is going to be dead air. So, Are you aware of your outsized impact with the younger generation because of the two grown-ups movies? I am. I found it. Is, that, is the whole Sandler universe like fully properly... Well, aware of how many times those movies have been seen by basically anyone I do, 18 and under? I, I, I love... Listen, I always appreciate... I don't act like it. I always appreciate anything, fans. They go, people say bye-bye to you. They say, and you are. And right. you sort of like old catchphrase. I go, let me tell you. They go, does that bother you? I go, the whole point and victory of being on Saturday Night Live is going, what if one day I had a catchphrase? What if I, one yeah. day it's something someone said when you're watching at home. It was so fun for me. How cool. And Dana's going, isn't that special? And to stumble into one without really force feeding it. We did bye-bye twice. Right. I did receptions three times. So to have something, the audience knows what they want. So they like it. and they Or they don't. You could do it ten times. They don't. No one says it again. You go, I force fed it. They didn't want it. But to have something like that. And then Grown Ups comes along, which was a great idea of Sandler. Like, Grown Ups is going to be eternal. It might last for 75 years. The bye-bye, no, you know, the SNL sketches, unless sure. they make YouTube You don't a have YouTube to add run. this part, but yeah. No, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Grown Ups is streaming right now, probably, on the front page of Netflix in one of the top <laughs> eight you. movies, and it's never going to end. Someone did a joke on the show about me. They go, if I need you, I can find you any day around 3 p.m. on TBS. <laughs> It'll be either Dickie Roberts, Ben Schwimmers, one of the nine Grown Ups. I go, exactly. And you know what? Great, because it's just another wave. There's people that go, Dude, I love your career. I go back to Grown Ups 1 with you. And I go, wow. Grown Ups 1. Jesus. Okay. They don't know what the fuck. You know what I mean? They don't know who Farley is. They don't know anything. I've been fascinated by how much my kids love that movie. It's kind of everything they want. And it's not a bad. Adam's good at He made it a family movie. Like, yeah, made that's it. what it it's is. Not it's not dirty. It's a family movie with dopey stuff it's happening. It's a tiny bit dirty, like where they go, hey, hey, hey. But nothing yeah. bad. And then... Grown Ups one, that's a basketball one, right? We're all playing basketball. And that was a good lesson and it was like nice. And Plus Sandler like secretly just wants to show off he, that he's good he at hoops. basketball. Yeah. By the way, Boston hoops in the summer all day is not the way to go. Right. <laughs> Outdoors, he goes, well, I go, we got a week of basketball scenes today. Everyone's like, oh, and Rock's like, do we all have to play? <laughs> Rock hates basketball. I'm the only black guy who does not want to jump on that court. <laughs> and we are playing and we're just like, get one shot of rock making it i was trying to do trick shots hopefully they're rolling the camera they would put them in the credits i like seeing their strategy of every once in a while he just makes a movie because either he wants to hang out with his friends or yeah. he wants to go to some awesome location 
I do have like to he say. He just made a movie where he was like in Monaco with Jennifer sure. Aniston. Yes. It's like, oh, cool, Murder Monaco Mystery, for which is funny. Yeah. two months. He did one with her in Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii is another I just one. did one called uh, The Wrong Missy. And for once, I got Hawaii. You did? I've never had it. Hawaii is, is undefeatable as a location for By a movie. By the way. It works every time. I caught myself complaining one day. And first of all, if you're ever in a movie, you can't complain to anyone. Yeah. It's the ultimate goal of everyone in the Screen Actors Guild. So if you're like, I'm doing this fucking movie. And they're like, you have a movie? I go, oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Wrong audience. But actually, there's no audience for you to complain. There's only other people in the movie or other people that are in movies. And then you can go, how was the movie? And they go, great, great. And then you whisper, it was this. And they're like, oh, my God, my movie, this. But you can't tell real people because they go, is there, are you kidding? There's something wrong? And you're in Hawaii. So I sort of kept it shut on that one. It was a great movie, The Wrong Missy, with Lauren Lapkus. That was the hard part. It's about this crazy girl I go on a date with. Yeah. The quick story is I'm a normal divorce guy. Yeah. I got a date. I go out on one, like, Tinder crazy date. She's bananas. So I say, no more of this. I want to meet real girl in real world. So I meet Molly Sims out. at. at I bump into her at, uh, you know, airport. And we talk. I get her number. So I start talking to her. And I go, see, I have a girl now. This is a real girl I met in real life. So I'm texting, texting, and then my friend goes, invite her on your work trip to Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, it's too much. I haven't even gone on a date with her. We're just texting. So I finally get the nerve, and she says, of course, I'd love it. So I get to the airport, and I'm getting, and I, I can't find her. I get on the plane, and I'm waiting, and I run into that stupid girl that I went out with. And I go, what are you doing here? And she goes, what the fuck do you think I'm doing here, dick? And then she walks by me, and I go, Jesus, I'm on the plane with this chick. And then I look at my phone, and I go, I I realize I'm texting this girl the whole time. Uh, I never once texted Molly Sim. So I'm like, oh my God, I just invited this girl on my flight. So I get in, she's sitting in the seat next to me. She's like, hey, love bug. And now my boss comes over and meets her. So now I go, okay, you have to pretend you're my girl. Now I'm on a two-week trip with her. And let me tell you something, everything that can go wrong does. But it it was really funny. And we got Lauren. And you got to be in Hawaii. She was great. Hawaii was great. And uh, that comes out in seven years on Netflix. Do you, oh, it's on Netflix? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Bill. The only thing actors can really complain shy. about that mm-hmm. I can kind of see it is the press tours. When the people are yeah. like, oh, my God. Even uh, we did Grown Ups. Because doing an interview about. over and over again is actually like, at some point, you lose your normal mind. Normal people, I'm saying normal people. People that aren't in showbiz even get that when you do, they still don't, they still hate you if you complain. But when you go in and sit down in those little director's chairs, and you do 45 in a row. Yeah. That was the minimum in the old days. 9 a.m. till 6 p.m. It's like a t-shirt cannon. They're just shooting oh t-shirts, God. but and they're they actually start, interviews. At it's you. fucking Groundhog's Day. David, what was Chris Farley like? What was Chris Farley like? Tell me about your character. One. What about the movie? What about this? Ha, ha, ha. Next person. Hi, I'm from Entertainment Tonight. David, what's your character? Tell me about the movie. And you do it. Oh, And I go, can I just do it once and then pass it around? But they won't right. let you. Netflix is the only place that goes, hey... Ted Sarandos is over there. You know, that guy at Netflix? Yeah. There's three blocks away. He's like, why don't you do Stern, Ellen, Fallon, a couple podcasts and call today? And I'm like, great. He goes, you're already in our algorithm. People are coming to you. You're in Grown Ups. Oh, you're algorithm friendly. Oh, yeah. They just gave me this movie. Give great algorithm. Listen, be in the vicinity of Adam, who's like very algorithm algorithm over there. Yeah. He's, when they gave him that huge deal, I was like, "Some there's some reason, yeah, yeah, it's not a fluke. It's like when all of a sudden they had all those true crime documentaries. 
something's working. So call girl's missing and when I Nebraska. did, you know, plus they have old just shoot me. Yeah. Rules of engagement. So my name is tied in these things. And then I'm in the movies on there, bench warmers people like. And then yeah. you turn it around to uh the do-over I did with Adam. So yeah. now I'm grandfathered in with Adam. And then the do-over was their biggest movie of all for a while. Yeah. Then they, they give me Father of the Year. Now I did that for less because I go, yeah, I want my own movie. You know, it'd be fun. And they wanted this director they like. But it was all low budget. I go, I like this. I think I can score with this. It was in Boston. I had an accent from New Hampshire. It's bananas, right? We do it. They tell me later, this is our most watched movie for two weeks. We don't even believe it. I'm like, you don't believe it. I don't believe it. No one believes it. So they go, do another one. Now I got my own. Now I'm in my own one that's working. Now you're getting like your own search. Right. People so now, start typing DA and all of a sudden you're nine David Spade They come up with come the wrong Missy and they go, this is you. And then we find some some woman to play with you. And now that comes out and I don't know what, we just finished it. But that was great. So now I'm in the mix over there. And, the Ted, and Ted's from Arizona. So when I met Ted, I was selling a house. And they said, the guy who's buying it is a guy that works at Netflix, Ted Sarandos. And yeah. Go, oh. I go, Netflix, because it was newer. And I go, shit. I go, I'll probably be working for this guy one day. So I go, stop negotiating. Honestly, I go, just take that last one. Sure. I don't want to beat him up. Like, So he took me to dinner. He said, I'll, he said, hey, I got your house. Let's go to dinner. Grew up in Arizona. Here's all the clubs you played. Boom, 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 boom. I worked at a video store. I went to this, this show, this show. Knew my whole wow. thing. And I go, we're like buddies, exact same age. He knew everything about me. SNL, everything, we we had a blast. And then now I just see him out because he's just a cool guy. Didn't know he'd be the king of showbiz. Uh, even then, I just go, hey, Netflix is doing all right, you know? And then, and then I wind up, I didn't even do a show for I've never done a show for them, which was sort of tragic because I do love it. But now I got Yeah, this. that's why with this whole Disney thing, everybody's like Disney versus Netflix and the yeah. apps and all that stuff. Netflix has six to seven years of the algorithm. Oh, my that God. That tells them exactly what people want. When Father of the Year came out and they go, it, there's nothing like, you know, we did Grown Ups. It comes out and does okay in America. Then we go over, we open it in Spain. Yeah. A premiere there one day. Next day we go to Dublin. Next day we go to Berlin. That's like two months after. You know, they take the reels, put them over there. When Netflix, they go, yeah, it's going to open in 180 countries tomorrow at midnight. I go, are you shitting me? Yeah. So in one, two hours after it opens... Here's my Twitter. Like, hi, I'm in Mongolia. Hi, I'm in any. Just watch your movie. Like, I was instantly probably known in places I never would be known in. Never in a million years would they. And then they go watch Do Over because I was in that, you know, and then they jump around. And that just really helps everything. At some point, they're going to create the Netflix super comedy algorithm where it's like Grown Ups 3 combined with some other some some horror movie where something's wrong with the house. Yeah, oh, because it's, like, it's everything it's they like have. It's like a hybrid of all the things that have worked and they'll just... I thought Grown Ups was, was, was smart of Adam because he took every everyone that could do their own movie and yeah. jammed them together. And it was like the Warriors or something where you go, oh, let's get this guy from this team, this guy, and just cram them together. I always thought like, remember those like Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve movies where they would just get... Bradley Cooper, oh, yeah, yeah. and they're being for Julia four Roberts, scenes. They yeah. overpay them. Yeah, but then you put everyone together, and it becomes a movie. Yeah, and then it makes two hundred million dollars. Yeah, that was a smart, smart. Then move. they were like Groundhog's Day, New Year's Day. They were doing any Wispy Arbor Day, <laughs> leap year, just, just to get them in there and cram. 
Here's Jennifer Garner. Fucking Jessica Alba. Yeah. I yeah. believe me, I wanted to be in one of those. I go, I think I could work three days for a million dollars. That'd be great. <laughs> ben Affleck, Bradley Cooper, they're all like, sure. By the way, I'm not comparing us to the Warriors. I was just saying the idea of like I hundred percent what you get what I meant. Okay. Yeah. You're taking and by the way, a bunch did you like benchwarmers? You know, I still hear oh, about benchwarmers a lot. Too. Yeah. I hear it from MLB. How many years guys. ago is that now? I, I just retweeted some dumb thing about Richie Bitchy because I was somebody in the world World Series was Little League one was crunching down. Yeah. And some writer, some sports guy put, yeah, it looks like Spade and Benchwarmers or whatever. And I, I, I didn't even know what I go, oh, yeah. So I retweeted. It's in 100,000 in two seconds. I go, what? Those weird movies like that. that sports like, movies I love people watch Bench over and over again. Yeah. And it's dumb but funny. And Swartz is in it and funny. And uh, Napoleon, I mean, John Heater. And that was one I, I am proud of those things. And people go, you remember Benchwarmers? I go, I love Benchwarmers. Yeah. And to see kids like it and to see, Little League World Series, favorite movie, Benchwarmers. I love that stuff. That's and then you see pros like it because they were kids and they grew up watching it. So it's so fun. That's fun for me. All right. So your show is 1130 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, I feel this is a wrap up. It oh, is, right? Going over an hour. Did I go over an hour? Well, I, I could keep going, but I, I, didn't, I didn't. You complained earlier about was, when you're with somebody for 90 minutes. I know. I'll complain after. Um, you can come back. Oh, this is Norm. Are you on his show right now? Norm, man. I'll tell him I did this I and wrote, get him mad. I wrote 30 golf columns for him. No, it was really four. Do you like tweets that get one like? <laughs> Come to my site. I go, you can't describe putting during, you know, not describe putting. That's fine. But he just, he just is a play-by-play announcer of a golf game. It's the weirdest use of Twitter anyone's ever done where he's like, good putt by Tiger. <laughs> I know. That's why you like him, though. Great wedge by Kepka. I go, ooh, go back 10. You got three likes on this one. But I go, it's only because no one can keep up with it. They're like, oh, I want to, oh, there's another one. Oh, there's another one. Oh. I feel like it's a bit on how dumb Twitter is. Yeah, maybe he's just it might doing be. a long play. Yeah, it's 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 a seven-year <laughs> I can't wait play. till he's on the show because we were saying, who should I put him with? Uh, and he goes, David, I I love your show. He, like, analyzes him. He's smart. Yeah. And he also goes, I like when sometimes it's comics that don't know, oh, whatever, I won't say that, but. He just says, uh, David, I won't do any written stuff. Let's just do something. I go, of course. I go, what's written? We do, we bring up a subject. Miley Cyrus makes out with that chick. She likes a little whisker biscuit now. And right. I go, just say whatever you want. That's all I do. I go, she eats at the soup kitchen. I go, just say whatever cracks you up. And he goes, yeah, she dines at the Y. And he goes, yeah, stuff like that. And then I go, well, when do you want to come on, crickets? And then three days later, great show last night. Here's every. I want to sit with you. No one else around. You respect me, don't you? I will tell you the good and the bad of the show. And don't worry, it's mostly good. I go, great. Of course, I want to hear what you think. You're good. David, do you understand? No one else can be there. It's me and you. Oh, he doesn't want two other people. I want, no, just when he tells me. Yeah. Dinner. He goes, you're doing a lot of things right. And I want to confirm because if you respect me, which I think you do. Who cares what these other motherfuckers say? I'm going to tell you. I like it. And that means it's good. I go, of course. And he has to reiterate that 50 times. I go, when do you want dinner? Crickets. Nine days later. Hello? <laughs> David, do you still have your phone? Yes, Norm. I just was asleep at 3 a.m. like the rest of the planet. Do you think there should be a podcast of just people discussing their experiences and friendships with Norm McDonald? Everyone loves Norm because it's too... Everyone it's loves Norm. That's the name of the title. It's too interesting because he's 
this is what you Super don't know Dave how much is, like is an that. act, what's not, but he does get you, and he doesn't want to drive. And then I go, no one they because he lives like a marina. I go, no one wants to come get you in the marina. No one's going to the marina for anything at six o'clock. If you want to go eat, and then Uber came, I go, Norm. Now we're going to be best friends. I'll pay for it. I'm going to send an Uber. He goes, I don't want to get in a car with a stranger. Oh, we had this whole thing fixed. You don't want to get in an Uber? Jeez, it could be easier. When does he officially move to Palm Springs or Palm Desert or one of those types of places? And retire. Like Super Dave did. No, and then just tell, just constantly tell you he's coming back. I hey, I'm going to be in L.A. on I Tuesday. I that tr- feels like the next phase for him. I get excited because he's very elusive, so it's fun when we hang out. He's Brad Garbo of the comedians. Yeah. But he is... He is funny. And he's good looking. I always say you look like Paul Newman. Huh? I go, you do. You're tall and cool looking. All these girls were into him, like, quietly. Like, you'd hear these girls. He's, Norm's hot. Norm's He's still my favorite Weekend Update guy. Yeah, he's great. He's crazy and it's, weird. He really, really thrived on not getting a laugh. Yeah. He enjoyed and it he more commits. than anyone who ever did. And, and I go, by the, the way, down. your whole thing of not getting laughs, Don't you don't have to drag that whole thing to my show. <laughs> I just never I go, seen anything like it. Do the crazy one where you get laughs and then go back. But have you had Corolla? Smart. Oh, sorry. That wasn't. That was my zipper. Corolla is uh is coming on. Yeah. Yeah, Corolla. I would say Corolla would be Corolla good for this well, format. He's coming on. And I saw him the other night at one of those clubs. He's great. Yeah, he's. We're ready for him. We got all these. We got Bill Burr and I think. Gaffey. Oh, Jim oh, Jeffries Bill Burr together be good too. We've got uh, just pretty much every comic eventually coming on. So it's good. Well, thanks for coming on this. I appreciate it. This was fun. Good luck with the show. I'm glad you're doing it. Uh, Sorry I got lost in the lot, but (laughs) it's, it's understandable with this lot. 